0: The Shadow Diaries, from Studio 71 and Snarled Entertainment.
1: The casket was lowered, but not yet put in the massive hole dug in the earth. The two dozen or so onlookers looked devastated. None more so than Trevor's parents, who stood front and center his father barely able to stand from the grief, yet somehow lending stability to his wife, the grieving mother. That morning after the overnight bus ride from Vegas to LA, I had slipped off, rented a car, and made a secret detour to Riverside, California, where Trevor was from. I had gotten nothing from Eliza's entire entourage about him, and there was no way I could do my job as a journalist if he went six feet under before I found out who he was. And okay, fine, amid all the secrecy from Eliza's team, I wondered if there might be a bigger story here.
2: We gather here today to celebrate the life of Trevor Rowland, who has now returned to his home with our God, the Father.
1: The priest asked for mercy from God, awkwardly told a story about Trevor as if he really knew him, and then opened the floor to the parents to give their last respects. Trevor's mother Karen stepped forward with a note in hand from which she began to read. Our boy was so beautiful. He was our pride and our joy, and he had his life taken. Suddenly, tears seemed to overwhelm Karen before she stopped and looked up from the paper. He had his life stolen by those devil-worshipping bastards!
2: (laughs) They took my boy! They killed him!
1: Karen was quickly whisked away by her husband as the mourners did their best not to stare at the scene. I watched from the back of the group as the priest tried to figure out how to proceed. Could the funeral really go on with the deceased parent's MIA? It seemed if I was ever gonna find out anything about who this poor kid was, I would have to look elsewhere. I heard someone walking up nearby. Something, actually. As I turned, I was struck to see a black cat with the same white forehead patch and golden eyes as Gypsy. It stopped in the grass and stared at me, like it was trying to tell me something. As I stared back, I really started to consider the whole nine lives thing. Perhaps the cat had just lost one life and was back in action for eight more. Weird, I thought. Then things got weirder. When a text came through from an unknown number, it said, What you are seeing is real. Unsettled, I walked a few steps back out of sight behind a tree and texted back, who is this? The incoming call seemed to scare the gypsy lookalike as it darted off, out of sight behind the tombstones. I thought it must be the mystery texter calling to explain themselves. I got goosebumps. Should I pick up? This is Shayna.
0: Stop, Shayna. It's Priya. Where you at?
1: I, uh, I just stepped out for a hike up the Hollywood Hills, um, but I'm on my way back to the hotel right now.
0: Oh, right on, right on. All
1: right. Whew. Okay. Sounded like she had bought the story. It was a major relief, because if any of Eliza's team had caught wind that I was attending the funeral of her deceased stalker, let's just say I'd have some explaining to do.
0: When I knocked on your door and no one answered, uh, I got a little worried.
1: Thanks, but I'm totally fine. Uh, No, no, just don't want to disturb the other hikers. Totally,
0: yeah. So, all right, listen, yesterday was really hard on Eliza. Even though it was a freak accident, she feels bad, you know? Now she's holed up in her room. She doesn't want anything to do with me or the girls, Marilyn, or even Cooper for that matter. But she said she really digs your energy. I mean, no pressure, but I think Eliza could really use a friend right now.
1: Well... I want to be there for her, I really
0: do. That's rad of you, Shana. I never want to put you on the spot, you know, but we didn't know who else to talk to.
1: Don't worry about it at all. I'm on my way.
0: Perfect. Room 907, you rock, Shayna. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I found it totally ironic the way Priya thought she was asking me a favor. I couldn't believe Eliza asked for me to come back to the hotel and talk to her. I pulled onto the highway, and it occurred to me. I had no idea what media Eliza was like. Was I volunteering myself for a job no one else could handle? The thought stayed with me all the way back to LA. I arrived on the ninth floor of the Montage Beverly Hills to find the door to room 907 left strangely ajar. I looked in to see that Eliza and all her belongings were gone, and housekeeping was already performing a deep clean. I was pretty sure I'd missed my chance to be Eliza's knight in shining armor when I found a post-it note on the door that read, move to room 1110. So I headed to the 11th floor. I entered the hall to hear Eliza going off on someone in a hysterical tantrum in room 1110. I froze, considering if I was really ready to go in there. Maybe I should just pretend I never saw the post-it note. I had just turned around to go when Priya stuck her head out of the doorway to the room.
0: Shana, so great to see you. Eliza's still a little bit emotional.
1: Will you follow me? Sure. I tried to put on a happy face, but not gonna lie. I was totally shaking in my boots. Well, my converses. I entered the room to see Eliza, a spray bottle of floor cleaner in her hand, staring at Cooper who stood by helplessly, too self-involved to give Eliza the level of empathy that she needed in this moment. Marilyn made use of the pause and the screaming to usher Cooper out of the room with her, which meant it was just me and Eliza. I didn't know what the hell to say, but the silence was killing me. Hi. Hey. You moved rooms. Have you ever seen Black Mold? Um, I don't think. It was all over the last room. The one before that, too. It's in here also. in the AC, the fridge, the bathroom, I can smell it. Marilyn won't let me move again either, so so now I just have to sanitize it myself. Suddenly the spray bottle in Eliza's hand made sense on a certain level. I watched as she sprayed the AC vent and wiped it down with paper towels. Oh, black mold, sounds terrifying. Symptoms start harmlessly enough, with a cough, dizziness, trouble breathing. But once that shit gets inside you, you're looking at a disease no Western doctor can cure. The migraines start, then comes the internal bleeding, stroke, and eventually death. It's a silent killer. Oh, God. Wow, are are you going to be okay here? It's just one more thing I have to deal with. That they force me to deal with, you know? I'd never seen someone tear up as fast as Eliza did in that one sentence. Then it occurred to me. Yesterday's trauma with Trevor might be triggering a psychological issue that Eliza otherwise had control of. Whatever it was, Eliza needed a serious distraction to break her out of this manic cycle, and it was my job to give her one. I needed to think up something bold. And that's when I blurted out the one thing I told myself I'd never say to anyone on this tour, especially Eliza. Funny story. I have a dandelion tattoo, like the one on your left toe, but on my right side. Maybe if we stood side by side, they'd be symmetrical. Wanna try it? She stood and inched her foot over to mine. She swallowed. I felt naked, exposed. I stood there waiting for my humiliating escort out of the room and likely out of the job. She looked up, and I fully expected her to tear into me. When instead, she smiled. All lit up. You know what I love about dandelions? I knew her quote about them by heart, but I wanted to hear her say it. No, what's that? They never go away. They're beautiful and unstoppable. Just like me. They use the wind to spread their seeds. And every spring, new ones grow. Then the butterflies come along. Eliza smiled at me and put her toe next to mine. Then she did something unexpected. Shayna, come on! I want you to try on some clothes of mine. I jogged down the hall to keep up. At this point, I would do whatever it took to keep Eliza's spirits lifted. But I also began to wonder how long I could keep this up. Being with Eliza in such a fragile state meant even the smallest trigger might send her nose diving back down to the depths of despair. Try this! Vivian gave it to me as a birthday gift, and I, I, I don't know, it just never really felt like me. Eliza started to put together an outfit for me composed of Vivian Westwood pieces that I knew weren't cheap. I stripped down to my underwear, she rifled through more hangers. I felt exposed. I think you look fucking amazing in it. <laughs> Thanks. Me too. Then it's yours. Eliza, no way, I can't. You can, and you will. You are my friend now, and I take my friendships very seriously. My friends are like my family. Okay? Okay. You win. Uh, thank you. (laughs) Seriously, it's amazing. Ah, don't get all mushy on me. Let's try on some more stuff. From there, Eliza proceeded to throw half the closet at me. Meanwhile, she tried on a few outfits herself. Most were ones she hadn't worn in a while that she seemed unsure of. At one point, she put on a dress. The only one she had. I literally carry this thing everywhere with me and never fucking wear it. What do you think? Would you want it? There was something profound about seeing Eliza, who usually wore neon green undershirts with a dark toned mesh shirt or hoodies, suddenly wearing something so bright, simple, and fitted as this flower pattern vintage dress. I caught myself staring. I think Eliza did too. Shayna, what do you think? I think you look drop-dead gorgeous. Drop-dead? Why would you say that? The giddy expression of joy on Eliza's face transformed to one of pale despair. Had I really just used the term drop-dead the day after Trevor had literally dropped dead on set in front of her? It was definitely a mistake for me to use that expression, but Eliza's fragile mental state certainly didn't help the situation. Brilliant, Shayna, really smart. Oh, I'm sorry. Weird choice of words. Yeah, it was. I, I'll, I'll just change back into my stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Look, I'm really, really sorry. It's fine. I, I just, can you please just go? I stepped out of the closet and made my way to the door of the suite. Shit. It sounded like Eliza had fallen and was not getting up. I ran back to the closet to see her splayed out in a pile of clothes, her head and body twitching, seizing up. At which point I realized this had turned from manic breakdown into a full-blown medical emergency. I dialed Priya, my hands shaking as I held the phone. Shayna? There's something wrong with Eliza. G- get help, hurry. After my call for help, Marilyn had hurried to the room to give Eliza her emergency medicine to stabilize the seizure. After an anxious couple hours of waiting, Kevin from security appeared with Priya, escorting a doctor. He may have been pushing 60, but his pampered skin made him look closer to 40. Also, he looked familiar. Had I seen him on a Bravo reality series before? The doctor entered the suite as I looked to Priya. Who was that? Oh, Dr. Summers? Dr. Summers? He's Eliza's on-call physician. Dr. Summers. The name hit me like a ton of bricks. This wasn't just any celebrity doctor. Dr. Summers was the A-list physician to the stars. Earbuds in. I played the promo video for the Wellness Center.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Richard Summers, and I want to invite you to make a life-changing choice. In today's modern world, we are surrounded by so many toxic chemicals, foods, and personalities leaving us all feeling sick and unhappy. We feel this is just the way life has to be. And so we stay trapped in unhealthy thought patterns and habit cycles. But I want to offer you a different perspective. What if we hit that pause button on life and took some time to begin bettering ourselves as humans? Perhaps we could become better fathers and mothers, better bosses and friends, and begin to thrive rather than just trying to survive the day. Join us for an exclusive weekend at Summers Center for Wellness and make an investment in you that can change your life and the lives of those around you for years to come.
1: A quick look at the pricing for the retreat on Summers' website showed packages starting at ten grand. His medicinal cocktails were top secret, mysterious in origin, and seemed to work miracles every time. Hence the premium price tag. There was something slimy about the scheme that brought to mind the more controversial side of Dr. Summers. His treatment methods had come under scrutiny after a few celebs connected to him passed away shortly after receiving treatment. And one Reddit thread from an anonymous poster claiming to be a former employee said, stay the hell away. Dr. Summers makes people sicker on purpose. Don't trust him. His wellness center is a converted insane asylum from the 1950s. Once a patient checks in, they own you. But you'll be on so many meds, you won't know the difference. Were these just the words of a disgruntled former employee or was there something to the claims? More important, what sort of medicine regimen did he have Eliza on? Was it ethical and thought out? Or was it some sort of band-aid treatment that was only going to worsen her underlying issues? The door to the suite opened and Dr. Summers came out, projecting his blissed out brand of positivity at Marilyn and Cooper. The three powwowed, then Marilyn looked at me and Dr. Summers headed my way.
2: Hey, I'm Dr. Summers. I just wanted to introduce myself and say that Eliza's outlook is very good. And um, could we be off the record? Oh,
1: uh, we weren't really. It's
2: just that they'd like me to explain some of Eliza's recent medical history and alleviate any concerns that you may have over things she may have said to you.
1: Of course, I'm here as her friend.
2: Great. Well, so Eliza suffers from bipolar disorder. It acts up when she's feeling stressed or uneasy. And to make matters worse, it seems that she hasn't been taking her medicine for at least two weeks. Now, a manic episode may lead her to believe any number of things about the people around her. She may claim that they're imprisoning her, stalking her, even trying to kill her. She'll be convinced deadly diseases are infecting her environment or demonic forces are trying to control her. including vivid hallucinations of all of that that I just mentioned. So, you see, it can be quite a lot to handle when this happens, which is why they would want you to be aware. Now, I just want to be clear. Eliza is a healthy, happy, beautiful girl when she takes her medicine. So, it's on all of us, frankly, to ensure that that happens. Does any of this make sense?
1: Uh, Yes, it makes total sense.
2: Any questions?
1: Oh, well, if something ever happens, um, like an emergency, what should I do? Dr. Summers pulled out his slick white business card that spelled out his name and info in gold lettering. He handed it to me.
2: Call any time.
1: With that, Dr. Summers was off and down the hall. I looked to the suite door to see Marilyn and Cooper had already re-entered to check on Eliza. I took a breath and headed for the suite. I looked at her one more time as she stared at nothing in the mirror. Eliza, I just want you to know I really care about you. I'll play every song perfect. I promise. Well, that's not what I'm saying. It's gonna be the best show ever. Eliza, are you sure you're okay? You can tell me. I'm walking on sunshine. Sunshine. My effort to break through was useless, and as the hair and makeup team entered, I knew I was about to be kicked out. (sighs) Have a good show. Okay. It's gonna be the best show ever. Okay, bye, Shayna. Thank you. I left the room, passing by Cooper and Marilyn on my way out. Shayna? Yes? Respect Eliza's privacy. Not a word of this to anyone. Of course. See you tonight? I nodded and forced a smile trying to hide how disturbed I was by the state I'd seen Eliza in. As I changed clothes and prepared to head to the forum, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was seriously wrong with the picture here. I knew the music industry was rough on people. I knew artists were sometimes emotionally troubled. I knew all this. And yet, the way Marilyn and Cooper had spoken to Eliza, it felt like she was their puppet, brainwashed to only live life on their terms. No. No, that wasn't fair. Eliza worked hard for this. She had to overcome her issues and pull through. That's what Marilyn's pep talk should have been about. But that was her job, not mine. My job was to deliver a riveting portrait of a lady on fire at the top of her game, cheerfully touring the country to adoring fans in endless euphoria without a problem to speak of. My job was getting harder by the day. The crowd's endless roar came at a deafening pitch. They were a 5,000-strong army, and had been waiting at least half an hour there in the dark, looking for any glimpse of Eliza Gold. The roadies had tuned the instruments, the mic at the center of the stage was checked. All that was needed now was Eliza. I began to wonder if she was really going to make it. But then, out of the darkness backstage, I saw her. She was wheeled in by Russell as Cooper helped her up the stairs. She wavered, then got her footing and took the stage as Xavier and Blake followed. I made my way to a more forward-facing viewpoint of the stage as she took the mic and the crowd went silent with anticipation. Sorry, yet uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm late. As Reborn's opening verse began, Eliza's timing was shaky but none of the crowd seemed to notice or care. And by the third verse, she lit up in a way I totally hadn't seen coming. As the set list went on, she gave one of the best performances yet on the tour. And the troubles of the past day all seemed like a distant memory. Meanwhile, I finally got back to my duties as a journalist, making notes of how ecstatic the crowd was, how Eliza was building her own movement, how this was her moment and all of the other stuff I knew Chuck and Marilyn would want me to say in the article. Still, couldn't help but think. The real story here was how a young girl with mental health issues under insane amounts of pressure almost cracked after tragedy struck, only to play one of her best shows ever. As Eliza was playing her encore, chaos broke out on an overhead balcony. It was one thing to wile out at a show, but these fans had become fanatics, crossing the line into total anarchy, throwing things, shoving and punching one another with frightening abandon. I couldn't believe this was happening at an Eliza show. Mosh pits and violence were not a part of her fan culture. Venue security rushed in, but the fighting already had spread too quickly to control. The whole middle section of the balcony had become one giant bloody melee. One cluster of rioters swelled along the side of the balcony, pushing a terrified girl over the edge. I watched in horror as she clung to the railing, dangling there for a few seconds that felt like minutes. I wanted to run to her, to save her somehow. But her grip weakened and it was too late. She went into a freefall and I watched, still in slow motion somehow, as she dropped down through the air, tumbling like a rag doll. Jesus. The fan had landed impaled on a piece of metal rigging about 15 feet off the ground, adjacent to the stage. The music stopped as she hung there, suspended, in shock. Then blood began to rush from her lips. It was pandemonium. Fans below were hit by the blood and scattered, causing a mad rush for the exit. Amid the chaos, something in the back rows caught my eye in the flashing white light of the strobes. A gray body stood there frozen in place as a flood of running fans churned past. Stared out through sunken hollow eyes, like a grim sentinel. There was no mistaking it. The shadow man was back. I looked around to see if anyone else noticed, but no one had. They were too panicked to think of anything but escaping this waking nightmare, and by the time I looked back, he was gone. My eyes returned to the stage. There was Eliza, frozen, staring at the fan's bleeding body even as Xavier tried to urge her to move along. The show was over. It was the strangest thing, but I could have sworn I saw the faintest smile forming across her lips. The third tragedy in the last week, it was so unreal, perhaps she thought it was some kind of joke from God? But it wasn't. And it was concerning to see her losing her grip on reality. As I made my way back to the bus, Eliza's team remained in total silence. I'm sure they were as overwhelmed as I was. Priya came up to me, distraught and still catching her breath from the hour-long show. That was so crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah, are you okay? I, I'm fine, I'm, I'm just like, whoa, I, I, shit. Priya seemed to be putting on more than she was actually feeling. Maybe she was just in shock. Mm. A call was coming in, from the same unknown number that had sent me the mysteriously foreboding text while I was at the funeral. I should take this. I stepped out of the line to the tour bus and discreetly took the call. Who is this?
2: Who am I? You're the one that reached out to me, DM'd me about my blog piece.
1: Right, right. R slash the siren. Do you have a real name?
2: No, but you can call me Virgil.
1: Okay, Virgil. What do you have for me?
2: I only have this. The evil eye sees all and knows all. The only safe way is to avoid his gaze entirely. Now I have to go.
1: Uh, Wait, wait, but you have to explain. I called back, but the call reached a mailbox that wasn't set up to receive voice messages. Whoever this Virgil was, he was raising more questions than answers. But I didn't have time to go down the rabbit hole now. I had a bus to catch to Phoenix. Wait, wait for me! After back-to-back deaths with Eliza Gold in the headlines, you might think this would be the end. I figured I would wake up to a call from Chuck, pulling me off the road for my canceled tour the next morning. But I couldn't have been more wrong. It turns out nothing could stop the tour of even the darkest pop princess, and the
0: show must go on until its terrible finale. The Shadow Diaries Directed by Kay Asher Levin Written by Kay Asher Levin And Zach Imbrogno Episodes 2, 5, 8, and 9 Co-written by Matt Worley Produced by Gail Gilman And Kay Asher Levin Edited by Fitz Harris. Executive Producers Michael Schreiber, Dave DeVries Stephen Perlstein, And Gail Gilman Starring Madeline Petch as Eliza Gold and Kara Hayward as Shayna Secco. Featuring Constant Zimmer as Marilyn Rose, Kay Asher Levin as Chuck, Markia McCarty as Priya, Clint Howard as Dr. Summers, Lydia Hurst as Christine, Davi Santos as Trevor, Carter Jenkins as Cooper Rose, Gerald Webb as Virgil, Co-produced by Andrew Seely, Josh Falcon, audio engineer. Annalise Nelson, associate producer. Music provided by Gramoscope, Mixing by Peter Lipinski. Podcast cover art by Dak Schaefer. Script supervisor, Rebecca Samini. Additional featured voices by Zach Imbrogno, Sarah Lukasiewicz, Danny Gonzalez, Patrick Hambrick, Danielle Hootmer, Lauren Stevenson, Marina Ashfar, Zach Justice, Brighton Charbino, Saxon Charbino, Hamena Medina, David Warwick, Max Sternbaum, Jack Donnelly, Zeke Thomas, Dustin Moat, Brady Morphy, Sarah Sinsel, Dylan Swimmer, Ella Swimmer, Kira Lukasowitz, and B. Busta.